Welcome to the In Doubt Podcast, where we explore the challenging topics that young adults often face. Each week, we talk with guests who help answer questions of faith, life, and culture, connecting them to our daily experiences and God's Word. For more info on In Doubt, visit indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. Hey, welcome to In Doubt. My name is Isaac. I'm one of the hosts at In Doubt. This week, we have the great privilege of sharing with you a conversation we had some years ago now with author and speaker Lydia Brownback on the very real issue of loneliness. You see, our culture celebrates community, and we should. I mean, God celebrates community. Actually, one could say he is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One understanding of loneliness is the felt absence of community. And for many people, actually most people, it's painful, it's difficult. So what do I do with my loneliness? Was it meant to be this way? I'm single and lonely. What do I do? These are some of the questions that Lydia speaks into. And if you didn't already know, Lydia's written on this topic with a book called Finding God in My Loneliness. So she's thought about this a bit. The publishers write, Looking at various aspects of loneliness, Lydia Brownback reminds us of God's power to redeem our loneliness and use it in our lives to draw us to himself. Ultimately, Lydia helps us see that even when we feel misunderstood, forsaken, or abandoned, we're never really alone. God is always with us, and only he can meet all of our needs in Christ Jesus. All right, well, I hope you enjoy this conversation on loneliness with Lydia Brownback. With me today is author and speaker Lydia Brownback. Lydia serves as a senior editor with Crossway uh, Publishing, and at at least through Crossway, uh, she's written about nine books or so. Maybe she can correct that. But anyways, thanks for being with me today, Lydia. I'm glad to be here, Isaac. Um, Before we kind of jump into our our sort of topic slash issue today, which is uh, loneliness, why don't you first just tell us um, who you are a little bit, uh, what you do, and also, if you could, um, how you you met Jesus? Well, we could take the whole interview with just that. Um, (laughs) We could. I am, uh, I I work at Crossway Books. Um, I've been here for about a decade. Um, And before that, I worked for a pastor named Alistair Begg in Cleveland, Ohio, And then I worked for uh, James Montgomery Boyce years before that, producing his radio program called The Bible Study Hour. And along the way, I started writing, and um, I've been doing that ever since. And that's sort of, uh, um, that's where my my passion is, my love is to write, is to communicate God's Word and truths about God's Word uh, to help women especially connect with God more fully and more truthfully. And uh, so that that is my great passion. And uh, so, but any any way I can be working in the Word of God, uh, whether it's through my vocation or through my my uh, my writing, um, that is exactly what I. That's my joy in life. Cool. That's awesome. And and how did you how did you meet Jesus? Well, I was a teenager at the time, and uh, my my parents had had split up. And it was a very lonely time for me. And my mother became a believer as a result of that difficulty in our family. And so through her faith, uh, I was led to know Jesus. Wow, that's awesome. Now, okay, so last year, you uh, I think it was last year, you wrote a book called Finding God in My Loneliness, kind of a provocative title. Yeah. Um, Before we dig further into that, what are you referring to here as loneliness. I, I feel like it's sort of an ambiguous term a little bit. Like, what, what do you mean by that? 
Well, you know, that's a, that's a great question. Um, this, this book was not something I even thought about writing. Uh, a fellow writer and speaker suggested to me several years ago that I write on this topic. And I remember at first I was initially, I didn't want to do it. And I thought, why? You're just asking me, you're just suggesting that because I'm single and you think I'd be a good one to write about. So I resisted the idea. But then as I thought about it and started looking around, I realized that no, it's not just a singleness issue. It's, 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 every, it's, a, it's, a, it's a universal issue. Everybody is lonely to some degree. So that's what, as I started thinking about it, realizing there is kind of a need to address this. And I think people can feel lonely or, or be lonely and not even know that that's what's going on because it's not something we talk about commonly and it's not e- even easy to identify in ourselves right. all the time. Right. Well, even just you saying that, uh, you know, it's you don't hear a lot of people, you know, telling a close friend like I'm, I'm feeling kind of lonely. You know, you don't you don't <laughs> you don't hear that. It's almost it, it feels a little bit kind of embarrassing to even say that or awkward. Yeah, it does. Uh, I think um, for men, especially maybe. But if you think about the fact that God uh, way back, even in, in, in when he created man and woman, he, he, he created man and said it is not good that the man should be alone. So, so even before the fall, there was an alo- aloneness and a loneliness. So what does that say? It says that it's part of our creation. God created us with that void. So, so loneliness in and of itself can't be all bad right? because God created us that way before the fall. So, so what does that tell us? I think it says that, that it is a human, is part of creation, it's part of how God made human beings to have that capacity for loneliness. Because apart from that, we wouldn't reach out for one another. And more importantly, we wouldn't reach out for Him. We wouldn't, we, we, we wouldn't recognize that we're incomplete apart from Him. Yeah, that's so good. And I want to get to that a little bit more uh, in just a moment. You gave us a little teaser, but I want to just pull back a little bit more and just think about our, our culture. And, um, you know, many, many of our listeners are, are young adults, their 20s, 30s, and uh, they are just, I mean, we've grown up, Lydia, with this uh, internet, just always, it's, yeah. nati- it's native to us, so it's just second nature to be uh, communicating with our friends and family uh, through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all these different things. And all of, all of the social media, it just, uh, this culture just boasts of this social connectivity that we have. Um, but from your study of, you know, writing this book, um, has loneliness increased? And if so, why do you think it has increased even with this, this social connectivity everywhere? You know, I, I think it's definitely increased with social media. And a lot of it is that, in a sense, it's not real. Um, you know, we, we think we're having relationships, but they're not face to face. And so they're not, they're not the same thing. And so we actually sometimes can stay, our, our virtual relationships actually keep us from physical, real, tangible relating to people. Uh, if, and, and, and so, and yet we're under the illusion that we're connecting. It, it's just not as deep. So there's a pervasive loneliness that goes with that. I think also social media gives us the opportunity to do a kind of create a do-it-yourself identity. So, so we go out there and I think about how you know, I, uh, young women I know, or will will look at Facebook page or or Instagram and 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 see these happy photos of family scenes on the beach and and joyful occasions, and and it, they're not, they're realizing that's that's fake news. You know, that's not real. That that is that is the image that that people want to project. It's not necessarily who they are. We don't know that that happy family scene on the beach wasn't preceded by a big fight, right. and yeah. you know, and and so no one posts that. But you, so you, if you're looking at someone else's newsfeed and you think that is their life, your life doesn't look very good. 
So we have to recognize that, you know, and you think about selfies, all right? How many, how many times, how many photos did a young woman take before she got the one that sets her off to the best advantage and then puts it up there, right? Yeah, so, that's right. so that's not real. And so if we look at other people's social media and we, we think something's wrong with us, when in reality, nobody is their social media page. No, th- that is nobody. You know what? That's not real. Yeah, no, that's so good. And it, it's kind of sad because, you know, if I'm, you know, flipping through my Instagram and I'm seeing, you know, I'm obviously a male, so I'm looking at these guys with their families and they're, you know, maybe out doing their trades and their jobs and all these kind of things. And if I'm just sitting at home, not doing anything, I'm starting to feel sort of lonely. Like I don't have this life like they do. Um, exactly. But it, it's a fault. It's like a false feeling because they might not even have that life. It's just kind of put on. So Right, exactly. Yeah. And you, know, you think about what's become common at Christmas time everyone mails out a letter of sort of their year in review and, and, you know, little Johnny got a big award and my husband got a promotion and my daughter got accepted to this college. And, you know, but we see all the highlights of the good stuff and, and, and everybody does that. So you think, why, why? And you can't be, you know, you're not going to say, well, you know, you don't list the bad things. My right. child got in a lot of trouble right. and, yeah. you know, nobody does. But so, so we, we have this superficial po- pose in front of yeah. each other yeah. and especially on social media. Yeah. And, and so that's an isolating, lonely thing for people who are viewing that and mistakenly believing that they're missing out on the good life. Yeah, that's so good. All right. Now to sort of now piggyback Back to what you were saying before, um, I find it really interesting what you're talking about, how the fact where when Adam was created, he was created with loneliness, and that was an aspect of the good creation. Um, so I, I want to I just kind of talk about this a little bit. So you do say in your book, God created human beings with the capacity for loneliness so that we would yearn for and find our all in him. And you even just said a couple minutes ago that um, not only him, but also others as well. So what do you mean exactly by this? If we can just jump a little bit deeper into it and what does it look like to sort of find um, connected a relationship with God? Well, when you see when God um, put Adam in the garden and he said, it is not good that the man should be alone. So therefore, you know, as we said, he created him with the very thing that then he calls not good. So it can't be evil in the sense that we think of it. It's not good in the sense that he meant incomplete. So he was designed as incomplete. So, so first, it, it, he then creates a wife for him, um, and and so that is that is God's earthly remedy for our loneliness. But even then, is that's not meant to be an end in itself. That was meant to point us to the deeper, richer companionship we're meant to have with the Lord Himself. So, so that so practically speaking, how does that play out? You know, it, it's not necessarily marriage, but it is human companionship. We were designed to have companionship with others. And then ultimately, that points us to where our greatest, most ultimate fulfilling companionship is found, which is in the Lord himself. So so that's why we don't have to believe the lie that loneliness is evil in and of itself. It's yeah. not. That's good. You know, it's you brought up the fact that you used to uh, work, uh, you know, with Alistair Begg, which is awesome. Um, I recently had a conversation with one of the pastor and counselors. I don't know if you know him. His name is Jonathan Holmes uh, that works at Parkside Church now. Anyways, he, he wrote a book called Biblical Friendship uh, just maybe a year or so ago. And uh, he, he brings up the same point where even with Adam in the garden, uh, Adam and Eve, it's it's not so much a marriage thing. It's even just a 
friendship thing. Like he's brought in this companionship uh, that we so desperately need. And and the fact the fact that you know in heaven marriage is not a thing. It's just communing with your brothers and sisters in Christ, worshiping Jesus. It means that biblical friendship is the one thing that really does go from earth to heaven, which I find exactly. so fascinating. Yeah. yeah, yeah, me too. And that's why we don't have to feel like if we're and this is such. I think especially young people, they get to they get up in their twenties and they start to panic if they don't have a significant romantic relationship. Right, right. And you know they think that they're incomplete without that or that something's missing. And oh, the panic that sets in can be brutal. And in reality, what you just said is true. It's it, it's not necessary for fulfillment. It it may and it's a it's a God given yearning and it's wonderful to pursue it. But it's it, there's nothing wrong with you if it's not happening yeah, right now. That's yeah. so good. And I want to I want to come back to that just as we kind of finish up a little bit. But firstly, I want to ask you know if someone's listening right now and they're they're like, okay, I understand you guys are talking about loneliness, but you know h- how do I know if I'm lonely? Like, what are some sort of indications that would uh, tell you that you are in a place of loneliness? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And it can be different for everybody. You know, I think people can feel depressed. Um, they can they can uh, start to question what's wrong with them. They can, and it, sometimes it's just this nebulous sense of something missing. And, and, and it, it, they can't quite define what it is. And so I think that one of the biggest problems when that happens, if we can't, if we can't put our finger on it and say, I am lonely, I was created with this this hole in me and that that is meant for the Lord and for companionship with people. Um, and it's okay to name that for what it is. But if we, if we resist that, that's, I mean, that's a practical thing right there. Don't resist it. Acknowledge it. It's okay. It doesn't, it's not a shameful thing to admit that you're feeling lonely. It's, it's actually positive because then you're going to do something about it. And, and practically we lean into the Lord and acknowledge it and say, I'm lonely this is part of how I'm made as a human being. So what what do you have for me here? What, where do I go? What do I do? You lean into him and then and and just live in it. And then and then you reach out for others. And and so they're, they're, they're so basic, but but that's really what that ache is meant to do. But so often, if we're ashamed to acknowledge that we feel lonely or that we are lonely, what we do is we either try sinful remedies to fix it. And we latch on to an unwise relationship or or activities or things just to duck those feelings. Or, you know, escapism. That's a huge, a huge way we we try to cope with that. When, when in reality, just naming it for what it is is the beginning of how how of of finding the answer for it. That's so good. And I I mean, I this is obvious, but I just want to get it out there that if you feel lonely, it's not because you're 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 a you're you're sinning. <laughs> it's not a sin to be lonely. No, definitely not. And that's one of the lies of loneliness. Something must. Some, I must be doing something wrong. There's something wrong with me. I must be in sin. And certainly, there's sin that comes into play. But you know, honestly, I think sometimes when we're being most obedient, we can be in touch with loneliness. Whereas sin, escapism, and all those things we do to try to take control of our lives away from God, we may not feel and be in touch with our loneliness then. But we're actually. Uh, more lonely than ever because we're moving away from the Lord. So, you know, the feelings of loneliness are not an indicator of sin or of something 
being wrong with us. Yeah, that's that's good. So because it's not a sin and because Jesus uh, it says in Hebrews that he is, you know, acquainted with our ways and that um, he's been tempted every way that you have been tempted uh, in order to help you. You know, I think back to, um, I forget which gospel it's in, but it does say that, I think it's in um, John where it says that Jesus didn't, you know, kind of connect himself with any man because he knew the heart of man. Yeah. Um, do you think Jesus felt times of loneliness? Oh, and that's one of the things I in the book, there's a whole chapter dedicated to, to how he sympathizes with that weakness in us. He, if you think, I think he was the loneliest man who ever lived. Um, you know, he was, he was uh, abandoned by his friends in his yeah, hour of need. True. And when yeah. he was, you know, he, they left him and they couldn't stay awake with him one hour when he went to pray. He was rejected. He was misunderstood. He, and, and, and especially because, and, and think about the loneliness in this, he offered himself in love to people he knew were going to reject him. And that is the loneliest feeling on this earth is when we offer love and it gets rejected. And, and he dealt with that every single day. And then right up into on the cross where he felt abandoned by his father. And, and he was, you know, for, to pay for our sins. So, so I don't think it gets any lonelier than what Jesus experienced. You know, I think you, just, you brought up a really good point there. Because I, I feel like, you know, th- there are a lot of people that are, uh, are lonely. And I, I can just sense this objection that they would give if I tell them, why don't you, you know, talk to people and, and you know, uh, say it for what it is and go uh, become friends with people. Well, they will say, well, it's not going to be it's not going to be real. Like they're they're people that people have this sort of pessimistic attitude toward, uh, especially our culture today, where there's not this sense of vulnerability between people and there's not this honesty between people. Um, how would you sort of maybe you can even speak from your own life, your own testimony? You mentioned even that when your parents uh, split up, you it was a very lonely time. How how did you sort of make uh, take some steps to sort of get out of that place of loneliness, or as your book says, find God in that? You know, I, I think at the time I, I, I was a teenager, so I wasn't really in touch with, I was just angry and bitter. But I think one of the things I learned from that is that if we try to pretend everything's okay, uh, it's, it, it's not going to get us anywhere. It's going to make things worse. So honesty, it, 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 that's the genuineness that solves loneliness. It's truthfulness, honesty, openness. And so when we're, when we're battling with something like this, and, or, you know, we can also feel shut off from people because of our, because of anger or grief or other emotions in the circumstances of our lives. And so we don't be real about that. And, and, you know, have you ever noticed that when you are going through something difficult or say you have a sin struggle and, uh, you know, or you're, you're tempted by something and isn't it, isn't it the best thing that, that it actually heals aloneness and loneliness? The best hmm. thing is to, is to put it out there with some, to someone else and just be truthful. And you find in return that then they open up, but someone has to go first. And, and so if you're honest and open about your struggles, you don't try to sugarcoat your life and sort of put on the spiritual front for everybody. Just be real about who you are and with your struggles. That, that annihilates loneliness. And it, it's sort of like it's in its face. It's like, you know, it says no to that. And, and I think about the proverb that said, uh, a man who, uh, it's 18, Proverbs 18.1, uh, a man who seeks his own desire isolates himself. He rages against all wise judgment. And and so so when we're when we're centered on ourselves, we're going to isolate from other people because we want our own way, and that takes us away from wise judgment. So this is a, isolationism is against wisdom; it's anti wisdom, 
it's folly in biblical terms. And so, so that's, uh, that's part of the problem. So, so honesty about our struggles, our temptations, our failings, our pains, our griefs, and not, not to this emotive degree that it's, you know, I mean, we can overdo it, but it, it, it too often we go the other way and we want to put up a spiritual front mm -hmm. and uh, that doesn't really help us or right. other people. Right. That's good. The, the, the sort of temptation to isolate when you feel lonely. I mean, that, that it, it's hard for people to uh, get out there and start talking about it and, and sort of, uh, you know, make it known. So how, how can someone get back from that, just that, that it's, it's hard. It's difficult. Like to actually be, you know, people just want to isolate themselves from the church and from family and from friends when they feel lonely. So as a, as a friend, Lydia, what would you kind of tell people if they are in that place of, I don't want to go out. I don't want to do that. Well, I, I think, I think I'd say the same thing to them that I say to myself when I get in those modes. And I, I think it's to say, first of all, why, why do I want to isolate? And if we ask ourselves why we want to perpetuate the very thing that's upsetting us in the first place, it, you know, why why do we want to isolate? Um, I think one of the reasons is pride, right? We, we you know, it's it's it, we don't want to humble ourselves and acknowledge that we're in a bad place, and that we are in need of other people, and um, you know, and then we also don't want to. We're scared if we do acknowledge it, we'll be rejected. So you know, it's this thing that makes us put a barrier up. But at the root of that, I mean, it's like Jesus did. You know, it's it's the vulner. There's vulnerability in reaching out, and if we're going to have real relationships with people, we have to be vulnerable. And that means that sometimes we're going to get rejected, and it's going to hurt. But Jesus did that all the time, and He put Himself right yeah, back out there, yeah. went right back in. And so, you know, it's funny trying to protect ourselves from loneliness actually perpetuates the very thing we're trying to protect ourselves from. Yeah, that's that's so good. Um, lastly, I just want to spend a little bit of time here. Um, one of the, and we've sort of mentioned already, but we think about uh, singleness, um, and that's a very, um, I mean, when people are lonely, especially 20s, 30s, and, and on, um, it's a lot of times they, they, they'll point to their singleness as the reason for why they are lonely. Um, you know, especially when they start seeing friends, family members, getting married, having children, so on. So for those who are struggling with this loneliness and they see it because of their singleness, what, what do you what do you say to that? What do you say to them? You know, it's when I when I go, I speak a lot on singleness because I've always been single. And um, I'm, I'm now what they call an older single. Uh, and <clears throat> when I go speak to young, to groups of young women, especially, it, I, I'll always see in the audience, I'll see some of them are guarded. They, they cross their arms and they look away and they don't really want to listen to me. And that's because they're afraid that if they listen to me, they're going to catch what I have. They don't want to end up in their 50s and single. And, and what I'll first say to them is, well, God, marriage is God's normal ordering. So women like me are the exception. And it, it is most often God's ordering for people to get married. And, and that's not just for Christians, if you think about it. Marriage is a creation ordinance, not, not just for Christians. He put that in the beginning, too before he even called a special people to himself. So, so marriage, God loves marriage. Uh, but I say, if you're, you know, there's no guarantee that you're going to be one that gets married. So what do you do with that? And we can either spend all our energy trying to get married and seeing singleness as a problem to solve, or we can get busy and say, this is very likely a, a season in my life and that's it. But if it's, you know, either way, whether it's a lifetime or another month, what are we going to do with it? 
are we going to are we going to use it for the glory of God? Are we going to get out there and find the advantages we have by being single today and maximizing that so that we don't look back later and say I wasted it? Or are you know are, are we going to are, you know what are we going to do with it? And so if we see it as a problem to solve, if we panic because we feel left behind when other people are getting married, we have we have to change our perspective and say God is sovereign over our marital status. He can change our marital status anytime he wants to. And if he's kept some of us single a little longer than others, it's very what a special privilege to be set apart for that extra time with him. You know, not everybody gets that. You know, that's a privilege. So what are we going to do with it? Think about the 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 people who are able to follow Jesus and and even the women, you know, they were able to do that because they weren't home caring for families. And so and that's wonderful when you get to care for a family, but look at the advantages you have when that's delayed. So so and then I think also, you know, so so I th- a long time ago, I read someone said don't do something about your singleness, do something with it. And and that's that's how, you know, meet somebody else's if you're lonely, then there's someone lonelier than you. Go out there and, you know, outward and upward. If we, if our focus is outward and upward, we're going to be able to weather the painful seasons and and not just weather them, not t- grit our teeth to get through. We're actually going, going to find them fulfilling and rewarding. And I, and I think there's a willingness to say, God, you choose for me, your timing, your plan, your will, your way. And when we can get our heart to that place and say that to the Lord, we're going to find fulfillment and joy and, and, and that rich companionship with him. And we'll be able to look at it like the psalmist in Psalm 73, who says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth I desire besides you, whether we're single or not. And I mean, that's, Either way, then then we can still want to get married, but we won't need it to be okay. We that's won't so feel good. like we need it to be okay. I, that's awesome. Um, thank, thank you very much, Lydia. That was uh, just great to hear from you and to chat with us. Um, to our listeners, if you're interested in Lydia's book, Finding God in My Loneliness, which obviously gets into more of what we, like, we just literally scratched the tiniest surface. I mean, obviously she goes deeper. Uh, you can just go to, uh, you can go to crossway.org and just type it in there and find it. Or you can always uh, just Google it, find it that way. But you can also check out Lydia Brownback, uh, literally just brownback.com, where Lydia blogs and all her books are there as well. Um, And as always, I will put the links to her book and her blog up on the episode page. But again, uh, Lydia, thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. And I hope to have you back on the show again soon. Isaac, it's been a delight to talk to you this morning. Thank you so much. That was Lydia Brownback. Now, we'd love to hear from you. Message us over Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're we're community here, and we want you to be a part of it. So if any kind of topic or issue or guest has kind of piqued your interest, let us know, and maybe we can talk about it. Also, if in doubt, as a ministry, which isn't just the audio show, we have articles, Bible study projects, events, things like that. If in doubt has impacted you at all, I'd love for you to think about possibly donating to this initiative. This stuff costs money, and we're supported solely on people who believe in our mission. So uh, click donate and follow the instructions at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. Well, that wraps up today's episode. We hope you join us next week as we host another conversation on life and faith. We'll see you then. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to hear more, subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at indoubt.ca or indoubt.com. We're also on social media, so make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter.
Hey, this is Isaac, one of the hosts of In Doubt, a ministry of Good News Global Media. Is it possible that being a Christian young person could be any more complicated than it is today? How do we make right choices and decisions when so many opinions around us seem contrary to what it means to live for Christ? At In Doubt, we hope to help make sense, biblical sense, of those difficult choices, decisions, and the complexity of faith, life, and culture in 2021. So join us every week for another challenging conversation in our response as God's people. For everything in doubt, visit indoubt.com. And if you'd like to help us continue to offer this program, you can make a gift of any amount at indoubt.com or by calling 1-844-663-2424.